Listener Production. Is drinking a little bit of alcohol actually good for you? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. Christmas is three days away, and a lot of people will enjoy some sort of break over the New Year period. And you know what that means? More booze. I'm not going to grill you on whether or not you're going to take it easy with alcohol, but I do want to ask, how much do you actually know about alcohol? Do you know what it's made of? Why it gets you drunk? And also, why it gives you a hangover? Today, I throw these questions to Cosmos Magazine journalist and resident alcohol chemistry expert, Ellen Fidian. Ellen, I want to start by attempting to answer an age-old question, and I reckon this is something a lot of people will be curious about. Let's go. And it's the idea that a small amount of alcohol might actually be good for you. So like, you know, a glass of red with dinner kind of vibe. Can you set the record straight? Is that actually true? I wish it was. So this is a good thing to set the record straight on. Um, We do absolutely see the occasional study or research paper that comes out that says low to better health outcomes. So cardiovascular health, so heart health is a really big one there. We often see a link between drinking and heart health or longer life expectancy. Unfortunately, we're still not really sure that this is the case. Sure. These studies could be a little bit off. They could be reflecting something that's called the sick quitter effect. Okay, the sick quitter effect. What does that mean? So basically, if you're taking a big population study and you're looking at in, you know, in a country like Australia where drinking is very culturally embedded and you're looking at the drinkers and the non-drinkers, a large chunk of the non-drinkers will be avoiding alcohol for health reasons, not just through personal choice. Mm -hmm. So that means that your non-drinking population is on average going to be less healthy than your drinking population. Right. So studies do try to like control for that, but ultimately the jury is still kind of out. The whole low moderate drinking has a slightly longer life expectancy thing might not be the case. Right. So it might just appear as though you're better off health-wise compared to others who don't drink. Yeah, exactly. And like, for instance, if you go to the doctor and they discover you've got really high blood pressure, the first thing the doctor is going to say is give up alcohol. So then you become one of the non-drinkers, um, but you still have really high blood pressure. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it, that that's the problem. So yeah, I mean, the best option is to not drink at all. Um, That said, I mean, I've been reading all this research. I drink. I'm not going to tell people (laughs) that they shouldn't drink alcohol ever. But on that note, there's really interesting science to unpack when it comes to what exactly makes alcohol bad for you and also why it gets you drunk and why it gives you a hangover. Yeah. A lot of people kind of say, well, it's just because it's alcohol. But there's actually really interesting science to all of this. Alrighty, so let's get into this alcohol science, Ellen. I'm very excited. It's probably also worth pointing out that there are different types of alcohol too, not just ones that you can drink. So what do we need to know about alcohol itself? When we say alcohol as in I'm drinking the alcohol in a glass of wine, we're actually referring to a type of alcohol molecule called ethanol. So chemists refer to it as ethanol and alcohol in scientific terms is a slightly broader class of compounds. Yeah. 
Other types of alcohol you might have heard of, methanol, which is wood alcohol. So that's a toxin, but it's also a really useful chemical precursor for plastics, rubber, pharmaceuticals. So it's kind of a really handy chemical ingredient. Another one you might see is isopropanol. That's often found in hand sanitizers. So basically, when scientists refer to an alcohol, what they mean is a molecule that has something called a hydroxyl group in it. So an oxygen atom that's bound to both a carbon and a hydrogen atom. Yep. So going back to the alcohol we actually consume, ethanol, it's a depressant. So what it does when you're drinking it is that it slows down your brain function. And that's what leads you to getting drunk, right? It's just that slowing down of your brain function. Yeah, that's exactly right. So ethanol is a very small molecule, so it does quite a few different things. So there's a lot of different effects of drunkenness. That's why people feel it differently. But the main one is that it increases the amount of something called gamma aminobutyric acid, or GABA for short, in the brain. GABA is what we call an inhibitor. So it's something that stops a process from happening in your body. What it does is it suppresses the central nervous system. So it can lower your awareness of your surroundings. It can slow your thinking and your senses, all of that sort of thing. Sure. At the same time, though, ethanol can trigger dopamine and other chemicals in the brain. So that's why you might feel good when you're drinking. Feel good when you're drinking, but maybe not so much the next day. (laughs) And on that note, Ellen, why does alcohol cause hangovers? Yeah. So again, there are a number of reasons. Ethanol is a really pesky little molecule. The first thing is that I suspect you're aware of is that it dehydrates you. Yeah. I've certainly had like friends at parties go, all right, I'm going to drink a whole heap of water when I get home so that I don't have as bad a hangover in the morning. (laughs) Um, That's like a very common kind of hangover reducer. I actually had because I studied science at uni, I had a couple of friends who tested different hangover cures for about six <laughs> months. So they'd actually like, they'd take out a breathalyzer and test to see how drunk they got. Oh my gosh. And then the next morning they'd try like fatty foods or like drinking water or hair of the dog, etc. That's amazing. They never found anything conclusive. They also didn't publish their results. So, you know, it didn't pass peer review. <laughs> no. Um, so there's a few different things going on, but the main culprit, behind your hangover is this compound that your body processes alcohol into. It's a compound called acetaldehyde. So it's this very, very reactive, fairly toxic substance. And it's often the thing that causes your really common hangover symptoms. So headaches, nausea, your face looking really flushed, all of those sorts of things. Acetaldehyde doesn't stay in your body forever though. It gets broken down as well. Right. So that's why you don't have a hangover forever. It's because this stuff eventually breaks down. Yeah, correct. So the process behind that is another enzyme called dehydrogenase or ALDH. It turns the acetaldehyde into something called acetic acid, which is a little bit less toxic. It's actually found in vinegar. And eventually, sort of one process after another, it's broken down into carbon dioxide and water. Interestingly, this enzyme, ALDH, is also one of the things that controls people's responses to alcohol. So it's a lot of the reason behind kind of there are people who are genetically more predisposed to getting drunk and getting hungover. Okay. Some people have a mutated ALDH gene, which makes the enzyme less effective, which means that you get more acetaldehyde built up in your body because it takes longer to process it and bring it down. Right. So people with this mutated gene 
They're often a lot more susceptible to alcohol. They might have one drink and then start to flush and start to feel very, very drunk. And they also tend to have worse hangover symptoms as well. So this acetaldehyde is at the root of our hangovers, but is it responsible for anything else? Unfortunately, yes. As we know, alcohol's got other negative health effects. So it's a carcinogen, which means it can cause cancer. Right. And again, acetaldehyde is the main reason for this. Because it's really, really reactive, it binds to a whole bunch of different things inside our cells. It can bind to and react with DNA, which then makes the DNA more likely to mutate. And mutating DNA is ultimately what causes cancer. Mm -hmm. It's worth mentioning that alcohol can be carcinogenic in a few other ways. It can also trigger a few different hormones that are more likely to be carcinogenic. Um, It can also mess with your liver, which can ultimately lead to cancer as well. And when we're talking about alcohol and the link with cancer, what cancers are we talking about? The most common cancers that get linked to alcohol are throat cancers, mouth cancer in the esophagus, the colon, breast cancer and liver cancer. So it's all stuff that sort of intuitively makes sense because it's stuff that's associated with the consumption of alcohol. So your digestive system. Yeah. There was an estimate from The Lancet, which is one of the biggest medical academic journals in the world that said that in 2020, there were more than 740,000 new cancers around the world that came from alcohol consumption. That's about 4% of total cancers. Well, another study, and keeping in mind, this is one study that's kind of put a ballpark on it, but they estimate that a bottle of wine per week, so seven standard drinks, is the equivalent of smoking five cigarettes per week for men and 10 cigarettes per week for women. Oh my God, Ellen, that's hectic. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite study for sure. So Ellen, I'm interested to know, now that we've talked about why alcohol makes us drunk and hungover and why it's bad for us, what do you think is the major takeaway for people listening to this? And obviously the goal here is not to try and scold people for having a drink or a few this holiday season, because I definitely will be. But why do you think learning the chemistry behind alcohol is important? I think it's useful when you see these drinking guidelines and Australia's drinking guidelines were updated fairly recently that say things like no more than 10 standard drinks per week and there's no safe amount of alcohol. The less you drink, it's better. You really shouldn't be drinking any. That can seem very kind of wowserish and dull, but the reason they're making these recommendations is because there is actually science behind this. Mm-hmm. They've done the research and this is what they have concluded. They're not just saying don't drink alcohol for the sake of not drinking alcohol or to reduce the number of loud parties. It has bad health effects. Yeah. Now, obviously, alcohol is really deeply culturally embedded here. People are going to drink. They're particularly going to drink around Christmas and New Year's. And I think we often think about the short-term health effects of alcohol when we're drinking, but we don't really consider the long-term stuff. So... It's useful just to keep that in mind. Ellen Fidian is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Ellen's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. Also, we'll still be putting out episodes over the Christmas and New Year's break, so keep an eye on the science briefing feed. You can listen for free on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Listener.